This podcast is brought to you by NeuroCreative Studio, the number one provider of one-to-one applied neuroscience coaching and development programs designed to enhance your creativity and effectiveness. Find out more at neurocreative.studio. You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. Creativity is something that we all need, use, and indeed have in spades, but we don't always appreciate it or know how to encourage it. In this occasional series of conversations, I'm talking to creative professionals, people who get paid to provide creativity on tap, and people who've been able to remain creatively successful over the course of their careers. We'll talk about the highs and lows of this kind of work, try to disentangle their secrets for success, and find out whether Steve Jobs was right when he said that real artists ship. Where do I start with Jeff Ostroff? The man is allegedly retired, but he's still juggling more projects than anyone else I know. Jeff has a bit of a problem in that he has too many ideas. So in this episode, we talk about how that is both a blessing and a curse, about being creative over the long haul, and about ways of sifting the creative wheat from the chaff. This is something as well that we've um, we've touched on in our, our pre-conversations um, about what it is that we need to think about in preparing to um, live a creative life and to live a fulfilling life as we get older, um, rather than, you know, thinking of it as a slowing down time. What are the things that are available as opportunities? What is it that we can do to make the most of every minute of life? Yes, I could talk a lot about that, and it almost doesn't matter whether you're younger or older, but because there's so much out there that we can do even from our homes, as we've seen anywhere from volunteerism to starting a cause that will help millions and millions of people. And all of those, Mm -hmm. and those two things and many others in between are being done. But what I like to think about is that when one is thinking about things that they might do perhaps things that they've never done or more likely, as you'll see here, that they have done, but maybe in a small way. Mm. I found some very good advice a few years ago, believe it or not. We can always learn. And a few years ago, I found this great advice, heard this great advice, somebody saying, if you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, think about what you did when you were a child and nobody told you that you had to do it and you were good at it, you enjoyed it, and you took it for granted. You thought, well, you know, big deal. I can interview people. And by the way, that's one of the things I did when I was a kid. My dad got me those reel-to-reel tape recorders that we don't really see anymore, (laughs) and I had a microphone with it, and I would interview my friends and my family and just get a great big blast out of it. So in my case, I'm reconnecting here with things that I love to do as a child. But you don't have mm-hmm. to wait to do that. In my career, I did some of that. But the challenges mm-hmm. that we face when we have careers and if we have families is we can't take as many chances, be- most of us, because we need to earn a living. And sometimes you could wait for a long time before you succeed if you're doing something that you truly love. And you may not be able to afford to do that. Mm-hmm. 
at a younger age. And that's one of the advantages of getting older and having achieved the things that you needed to in order to live more independently. But the Mm. concept, the idea, I think is still there, whether you're 25 or whether you're 85, think about the things that you really love to do. Now, that's not to say those are the only things you would do. You certainly want to try Mm -hmm. things that you never did. But there's a good chance there are certain things that you did when you were younger. It wasn't like your mother or father said to you, Jimmy, I told you, you got to practice your piano today. That's not what I'm (laughs) talking about, right? I'm talking about you were there doing certain things that you just really enjoyed. You might have been doing them by yourself or with other people. And boy, you could do them. And you just figured that other people could do them well, too. They just weren't doing them as much. But maybe not. Mm. I, w- I want to come back a little bit on something you said there, um, you know, but that that we do go through a phase in our lives where um, it's maybe not as appropriate or practical to take certain risks um, in terms of career or so on. And I'm wondering in, in your experience on, you know, the, the people you've met and what you've seen and so on, do you think that this I get this level of risk aversion is something that we then adopt as habit as we get older. I think it depends on an individual's mentality. Mm. And there's a wide spectrum again here. You have people who are just inclined to take risks. And quite (laughs) frankly, in my earlier days and even today, I'm not willing to take big risks. And I'm principally talking about financial risks. Okay. But they also could be risks, which in my younger days also involved risk of family, risk of, you know, Mm -hmm. your relationships and losing them, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There are some people who are at one end of the spectrum. And again, there are varying degrees. They are risk takers. And then you have those people who are sort of in the middle, like me, I would say that I'm a moderate risk taker. I was out on my own for a little while in the middle of my career, but I was married and my wife had a good job. So I really wasn't a huge risk taker, but I did leave a comfy job to do that. So you have people in the middle and then you have people on the other end. And I know people like this. These are the risk averse people. And um, unfortunately, they are going to end up career-wise. Now, we're not talking about what you can do outside of your career. Your career shouldn't be your entire 24 hours, right? You've got other hours. Mm. But at least within the spectrum of their career, for whatever reason, they end up sadly doing something because they have to do it solely because it's the way to pay for their expenses and their family, if they have a family's expenses, or help cover those expenses, if it's two people involved. But they really derive no satisfaction from what Mm. they're doing. So I don't think you can uniformly say that we have risk uh, people who are risk averse and they are that way at 25 and they're that way at 65. In fact, I would tell you that, but I can't prove this, Mm. that certainly as one gets older and retires, as I did, this is my second career. When you realize I'm going to be okay financially, it really opens you up to being able to take more risks, whether they mm-hmm. be financial or just just the use of your time, which sort of 
in a paradoxical way, your time becomes so much more precious when you're older. And so if you are taking risks and it involves your time, you got to be really careful about the time, less so about mm. the risk, uh, about whatever the venture is or whatever the activity is not coming to fruition. Time yeah. is the key, vari yeah. uh, key variable there. Mm. I can absolutely see how that would work. I mean, you know, that's that's one of the phrases that I love is, you know, are you spending time or are you investing time? Because <laughs> yeah. it's it's not really something that you can get back. So if you're investing no. it, then it, it will hopefully have a, a payoff more than the time that you have just spent on it. But I was wondering as well, just about your own background. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, Jeff, was because there's such a creative thread throughout your um, your career. And now, you know, as, as a, an entrepreneurial podcaster, then you have that's obviously another form of creativity shining through. But one of the questions that I often ask my creative professionals is. What is it that you have done throughout the span of that career to replenish and nourish creativity? It's a great question. I would say that there seem to be two components to this. Speaking off the cuff here, of that, the, the, the one is that I try to keep involved to some limited extent. There's so much out there with things that are going on. And I'm the kind of person, if I pick up a newspaper or a magazine or I see something online or I go to LinkedIn, I just get ideas and the ideas could be about a new podcast. They could be about, geez, I wonder whether or not Deidre would be interested in this other thing that I'm doing, connecting people that just mm -hmm. seems to come naturally to me. The, the second thing is that I have, and I'm going to go back to this, my core interests. And so if I think about my core interests, which tend to relate to speaking to people, meeting people, creating communications products, which can, you know, evolve into a lot of different things. I, I sort of match up, it seems, the things that I'm reading about with the implementation side, which would be some aspect of communication. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say that, I will also tell you there's something else here that I just seems to be intuitive within me. Years mm. ago, when I was in my own business, I had a, an amazing number of ideas. And I had this man who retired. He got a golden parachute. He was with a Fortune 100 company in the United States. And he took me on as a mentor. And he said, you have the most ideas of anybody I've ever met. The problem was, you got to focus on your ideas. But I was getting ideas about mutual funds, about character, about storybooks for kids, about a kind of food store that would open. Many of these, by the way, were ahead of their time, about something that would be at gas stations. They were all over the place. I don't know where mm. these ideas were coming from. I really don't know. But mm. I, you know, I remember being at a gas station. And I just remember thinking, wow, have I got an idea? And then I would write it down. I gave it a little name and I wrote a little description of it. I had an idea about a golf tournament, a certain kind of golf tournament. By the way, the thing that held me back from achieving 
success with any of those ideas in the past, I wasn't willing to take those risks. I knew that if mm. I ventured in one of these things, it would either involve a lot of money or a lot of travel and or a lot of time. And I just couldn't pull the plug. I, I mean, I pulled the trigger. Sorry. I couldn't pull the trigger. Uh, trigger. I just I just couldn't do it. Mm. So how how do you choose then when you are the sort of person? And I know that this is um, symptomatic of a lot of creative people. And I, I suffer slightly in this respect myself is, is that, you know, there are so many things that you could do. There are just so many opportunities. There are so many, so many attractive things to think about and to come up with ideas for. How do you find um, ways of filtering them out and taking that opportunity to go, right, okay, so this is, the, uh, what's the golden thread that you can see maybe looking backwards over your career that you have constantly gone back to the same things? Ha and how have you, how have you at the time made those choices, do you think? Well, we kind of have two different areas in which I've worked. When I worked mm -hmm. for an organization, there really wasn't as much room for creativity. My first organization, I actually started out working for the United States' Medicare program. I did create a national award-winning program. So that was an aspect of creativity. Beyond that, there really wasn't a lot of room for creativity. In another job I had later on in my career, which also related to the uh, United States government, there was not a lot of opportunity at all for creativity. So where I've run mm -hmm. into the challenge is mostly when I've been either pursuing things as hobbies or when I was in these entrepreneurial parts of my career, the second third of my original career and now. That's when I've had mm -hmm. the challenges. And I will tell you candidly and I will tell your listeners, it is the biggest challenge that I have because I am mm -hmm. constantly getting ideas and opportunities, which I will write down. The way that I try to stay focused in, and I don't do a great job of it. I, I've got a combination of ADD and being very focused. When I'm working on something, as I was today with Looking Forward, I told you before my episode, I am focused on that episode and I don't know what time it is and I'm into it. I'm in that zone, right? But other times I'm like, should I do this? Should I do that? And I think the right answer but one I will tell you humbly that I don't do great with is where are you finding the greatest interest? Because mm -hmm. they're all as they were when I met them, when I worked with a mentor many years ago, I would call them, these are all my babies. And I, we had a meeting one time where I dumped them all on the table and I talked about them for several hours. And there might've been six or eight of these babies mm -hmm. that didn't look anything yeah. alike the babies. That was the other thing. Yeah. There were nothing, nothing <laughs> alike. I have that now. I've got all these babies. I've got so many podcast ideas. I'm going to be launching mm -hmm. a new podcast, which I might mention at the end, but I've got so many podcast ideas. I have voiceover work and so many ways of going about that and interviewing. I now I'm doing business profiles more so than I had done before. And what I guess the answer is I'm trying to figure out since I like them all, I like them all. Yeah. And I gave birth to some of these. I mean, some of them are more standard things. I think it's where do you see the greatest interest and opportunity? And sometimes, as one idea has come to me, it wasn't even something I necessarily thought was all that important. I haven't been focusing mm -hmm. on it. 
And somebody said to me, you know, people really need this and you're not doing that much with it. So I am probably not the best person to give counsel on that. I am constantly, and I mean constantly, reading about productivity and how can I zero in on the three things that I need to do today. And it's never three. I can never make it three. And I guess that's just my mind is. And I think to sum this up, I see my creative mind as a blessing and a curse. I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. I love that I get all these ideas, but sometimes I look at my next door neighbor and he's basically out there riding a bike, working on his lawn, and it seems like he's having a great time and isn't life fun and he's retired too. And our lives are 180 degrees different. And I don't even have to work anymore. That's the other thing. And I wonder, why do I have the ambition? Why am I doing this? So I, I don't know. It's just me. Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, we all have this kind of very special cocktail in our brains that, you know, it, it's the, the amount of stimulation that each individual requires. And obviously you require a lot more than mowing the lawn. <laughs> but Absolutely. when you were talking, I was actually reminded uh, reminded of three questions um, that are supposed to, you know, help decide whether you need to um, communicate something or not. But actually they would paraphrase very well for what you just said. Okay. And the three questions in this instance would be, um, does this need to be done? Does this need to be done now? And does this need to be done by me now? (laughs) Yes. Those are great questions. Those are great questions. Again, it's a sort of slightly, slightly connected question, which, again, I do ask creatives on this show. Steve Jobs had this, I guess, slightly provocative quote, and he said that real artists ship. Um, Now, I'm wondering what you think of that quote. How, how would you see it, it, that in terms of, I guess, professional deadlines or, you know, kind of being able to wrap up a project at all, whether you can walk away from stuff? What does that mean to you, that quote? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, my guess is, because I, I honestly wasn't familiar with that quote, but to me, shipping means they delegate it. So that may not be mm-hmm. at all what he meant, but real artists ship seems to suggest to me that they don't try to take everything on by themselves and they try to find other people to help them out. And I would say mm. that relates perfectly. And I don't know, again, if that's at all what he meant. I may be way off, but that's how I react to that. And it reminds me of something that I would like to share very much with your listeners, which is in my Please. book, which I wrote many years ago, called Successful Marketing to the 50 Plus Consumer. I remember having a conversation before I wrote the book, but I put this in the book, with a man who I'm sure has long since passed away. He was a very successful salesperson who lived in Philadelphia, where I was living at that time. And his name was Tony Mazur. And Tony Mazur said to me, Jeff, remember, by yourself, you're limited. With others, you're limitless. Mm, And I think it's very topical for me to look at that quote right now, because I am, as I've told you, beforehand in the process of finding some additional support to help me because I just get so many ideas and each mm-hmm. idea has 25 legs to it. I'm exaggerating a bit, people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but each idea, there's a lot of stuff with that idea, right? It's, it's great. Like mm-hmm. just have mm-hmm. the idea, you know, ideas are, in and of themselves are meaningless. They have to be executed, right? And they have to succeed. Mm-hmm. So I think that 
real artistship to me right now connotes they farm it out and they say, I can't do it all perfectly. Um, I need to let somebody else do it. And if they're not perfect, that's okay either. I just, mm. what is it? The, let good be the better of best or, or something along those lines. Mm. I have a hard time with that. Do what it takes to get it done. Yeah. Do mm. what it takes to get it done. And um, so I, I don't know. What, I, I'm curious what other people would say about it. I'm, I've probably got a totally different interpretation. And well, probably it's not what I- he meant. I think it's, I think it's, um, you know, one of these things, you know, the the integration of our professionalism and our creativity is very important because otherwise we, we have hobbies, you know, we don't really have um, careers as such. We we tend to, if, if we're just going to do something as an artist for ourselves and sort of leave it stacked in a pile in the corner and we're not actually going to share it with the world, what does that you know, that, that is only for our own benefit. It isn't for anyone else's benefit. I think that's where my mind goes with it anyway. But um, yeah, again, you know, something. I'm Go sorry, ahead. Finney. No, I was going to say, I, it, I, was... it, I just thought of another meaning, which is probably what you're, what you're saying, which is, or maybe I would have used the word sale if this is what he means, but real artists take off. They, 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 sh- they ship. They actually get an emotion and they do something. That may mm. be what he was saying. And I agree with that. I mean, although I, maybe I'm not so sure I agree with that. If, if you're looking, if it's about just thinking about doing something like I want to draw or I want to create this thing and not doing anything with it, that's not shipping. But if you're just doing it, you know, something for fun and you're not looking to monetize it, well, it could be fun. Shipping might not necessarily mean sending it out to the world. I'm just doing it because I like playing the piano or drawing. It's just fun for me. So it can be looked at in a number of ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you that there are things that we do for our personal satisfaction and to, you know, keep the the gray matter and and the white matter all nice and uh, in shape and so on. But yeah, it's it's it is that that straddling of the two things of having that creativity and being able to I guess, have it benefit others too. Um, so, yeah, open to interpretation as always. I did say it was a provocative one, didn't I? Um, <laughs> it is. It is. But as as we wrap up, um, Jeff, I'd love to ask you just what are the what are the ideas that have actually made it into production? What are the ones that you're currently shipping? Um, and where can people find out about about those, a little bit more about those? Sure. Well, well. thanks again, Deidre, for having me on Ambition. Incubator. My pleasure. I, I love the name. I love the theme. I think it's wonderful. My focus right now, isn't it interesting? I use the word focus. My focus mm-hmm. in quotes <laughs> is <laughs> on a few things. I have my Looking Forward podcast, which is about trends and opportunities, but most importantly, excuse me, trends in the future, but most importantly, mm-hmm. the opportunities they create. And Mm -hmm. we're talking about global trends and the future, but I'm focusing on the opportunities. And we're about to hit, at the time of this broadcast, almost 100 episodes of that. In addition to that, I'm launching... Thank you. I'm I'm excited. And it's hard to believe. It's been over two years since we started. I'm about to launch a second podcast 
three episodes are in the bag and they'll be released beginning soon called Looking Forward Healthcare on the Horizon. And that's mm. about where do things stand regarding the diagnosis, the prevention, the treatment of various illnesses and diseases. So for example, I've already had a guest on tape, hasn't been released, about ALS, also called Lou Gehrig's mm-hmm. disease. One about dementia. One about a genetic disorder recently discovered called Syngap-1, which affects people with autism and mm-hmm. uh, Alzheimer's and potentially some other conditions. I also am very much involved in co-hosting podcasts. And right now I'm doing a co-hosting role on macular degeneration, which is for the public. Mm-hmm. I'm involved with business profiles that is doing videos where I interview people who are trying to get the story out about their business. And my greatest passion, how I got into this whole thing out of retirement, is I do voiceover work. So those mm. are the things that I'm really most excited about. And people can find me at dash ostroff O-S like Sam, T-R-O-F-F like Florida, Florida.com. And last thing I'll mention is very soon, like in the next few weeks, there will be a separate looking forward website. Wonderful. Listen, Jeff, you have got more going on than most people who are uh, far from retired have. So um, <laughs> I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't come from a family who retire easily. So um, I have no doubt that uh, I'll, I'll end up going the same direction. Good. So, yes. Jeff-Ostroff.com. All the details will be in the show notes, along with um, some other information about Jeff and his work and his podcast. So check those out. And uh, yeah, just give us a comment. Give us a like. Let us know what you liked. Jeff, thank you so much. I will see you on the other side. All right. Thank you, Deirdre. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines, and I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. Bye.